disturbing for my slumber. I am eternal dragon. Now make your first wish. Your wish has been granted. Here is your host, Tim Bridgewater. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 87 of Rock the Dragon, a Dragon Ball Super Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater. Uh, you can find me at facebook.com slash rock the dragon podcast like that page like that page like that i mean, I figure maybe if i start singing it more people will do it i don't know <laughs> or maybe that'll hurt things uh yeah if you get a chance go over there obviously like that page uh look me up on youtube rock the dragon podcast uh, i'm still hoping and planning to get back around to uh updating that youtube channel when i get a chance but i also need some motivation so help me get there help motivate me to create because <laughs> i'm a very tired individual who works a lot um and sometimes it's hard enough just getting the podcast out once a week but i'm trying to get back on some sort of a uh steady sort of schedule for you guys because i know things have been a little bit crazy the past few weeks with me going out of town and such and well we're about to get into a lot of holiday stuff too so it'll definitely be a lot of weirdness going on i also wanted to mention the fact that I received an email from Apple Podcasts, okay, um, obviously I'm sure most of you guys, I'm going to assume most of my listeners are through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., um, so um, they actually sent out a notice to all of the people who have podcasts on Apple Podcasts, uh, kind of letting them know about the holiday submission schedule, there's going to be a couple of things that are going to be a little bit different um, for holidays. So I'll just kind of read what it says here because this is actually pretty important if you use Apple Podcasts to listen to the podcast. It says here, holiday submission schedule. If you plan to release new shows on Apple Podcasts in November or December, be aware of the following periods of delayed submission activity. November 16th through November 26th and December 21st through January 2nd. Shows submitted during these windows may not be available within our regular time frame of five business days. Plan accordingly and submit any new shows with this in mind. Okay, so it's very important for any of my listeners who use Apple Podcasts. Uh, if I happen to, which I will certainly most likely be doing this, <laughs> putting an episode up between November 16th and November 26th, as well as December 21st and January 2nd, that the podcast may not show up on Apple Podcasts within the usual time frame. One thing I've noticed is that usually um, iTunes and Apple Podcasts is the first place the podcast pops up on. I mean, I will submit it and then I can like check it 10 seconds later and it'll be there. Different outlets take different amount, amounts of time. Google Play may not be the same. TuneIn may not be the same. But I've always noticed that it's really typically pretty fast on Apple Podcasts. But there is normally a five day sort of time frame. Um, that they allow for it to show up. So it's saying that within those periods of time, uh, it, there may be some delays. So if by some chance you're looking for the new episode and you go to the Facebook page, but it's very important to like the Facebook page because that way you'll know if I put an episode up or not, right? Because you may be looking for the episode and be like, where is it? And maybe I just didn't put it up yet, right? So if you go to the Facebook page, I always make a post when I post the new episode of the podcast. So if you see that post there, that means the episode has been released it may not be, you know, up to date yet. It may have not populated on all the outlets yet, but it has the, it is in process. But if you don't see that, 
well I probably just haven't done it yet so it's a good idea to like the page just to keep up with that because if you go there between those dates and I've made a post about the podcast being released but it's still not up <laughs> a week later on Apple Podcasts just remember that this is something that they're reporting right now is going to happen ahead of time I'll try to keep that into consideration but it's probably not going to affect me too much in the in, in, as far as my schedule of recording the podcast or putting the podcast up because right now I do it when I'm able to do it <laughs> and that's you know nothing's really going to change that so uh, just kind of keep that in mind in upcoming weeks as we get more into this holiday scheduling type of stuff and we won't even get episodes so, during, during some of those periods of time like December 21st to January 2nd we probably won't even get an episode of Dragon Ball Super because of Christmas and New Year's but we'll see right so just kind of keep your eye out keep your eye on the Facebook page for more information on that okay so uh, yeah we've got a lot to talk about this episode if you recall from episode 86 uh, I read Evan's email and it was this epic freaking massive thing <laughs> which I appreciate and uh, Evan props for taking the time to think about that and consider that and type all that out because you did a lot of research and you took your time and you formulated your opinion and it was very it was written it was written very well and all of that shit so props for taking the time to do all that um i do have a little bit more of that email i'm going to read i'm going to read the rest of it uh it's not nearly as much as the first half of it so that's that'll be quick uh and also one or two other emails of course for our email segment called what are you saying so uh, what, what are you saying? Send me an email at rockthedragonpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything yourself. I've been hearing from some new listeners lately, or maybe not new listeners, but first timers in terms of writing in. So appreciate you guys reaching out. I know that there's someone else out there listening right now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking. See, you think I'm talking. You wondered if I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. You have been wanting to write in for months now. <laughs> you. Take the time, send me an email. I'm a pretty nice dude. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Uh, let me know what you think about the show. Uh, any questions, comments you have about anything, rock the dragon podcast at gmail.com. And hell, while you're in the writing mood, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or, yeah, one of those, I guess, and leave me a review. It's been a couple months since I've had one. Uh, so it'd be nice to, to, to see another five star review pop up over there. So I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to closing out this year. We're getting closer and closer to episode 100. So uh, it's time to get excited. And we're getting closer and closer to the Tournament of Power jumping off. So a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to here. Okay, so let's jump over to what are you saying for this week? And I'm going to begin by sort of resuming off with the end of Evan's email. So if you remember... Uh, Evan's emails were he had each section kind of titled uh, like as if it was an episode of Dragon Ball Super okay so the next section of this is Dragon Ball Super is a video game here comes the tournament of power and it says here I love the concept of the tournament of power with fighters having to work in teams not being able to fly or even just kill or or KO opponents because it forces our characters to think creatively about how to best their opponents and strategize in ways that they have typically foregone in favor of simply getting stronger through battle damage or anger. However, doesn't this sound remarkably similar to Dragon Ball Fighters? To my understanding, characters in that game do not really fly while fighting, enemies do not die, quote unquote, and though fights are somewhat 1v1, 
The player controls a full three-fighter roster that ideally works together as a unit. I wonder if the game's core gameplay was developed out of the anime's story arc. Okay, so yeah, uh, I, yeah, Evan, for sure. I, I think, yeah, I'm definitely excited for the Tournament of Power as well. And you pointed out all the sort of things, yeah, as far as them being able to have to kind of work as a team here. You can't fly, you can't kill, you, you can't knock anyone out. Well, you can knock them out, I guess, if you want, but you won't win that way, <laughs> right? They have to be pushed out of the ring. Um, so you're saying that you found the similarities between that and sort of the game mechanics in Dragon Ball Fighters, and you're wondering if the game's core gameplay was sort of based on the story arc of Tournament of Power. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that it is or not. Obviously, I, I wouldn't know for sure. Uh, I do see the similarities, um, but I'm not sure that everything here is as similar that you, that you, as you're making it sound. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, so they don't really fly. That's true. And on Dragon Ball Fighters, there's really no flight mechanics. I mean, they do this thing called uh, they do a super dash, right? And that's when we see the characters kind of rush toward the other, the person that they're fighting. You know, the, you know, in a very quick. It's like they're hovering. They're not running. Their feet aren't on the ground. But it's not really like flight. There's no sort of free form flight. The characters do fly as a part of their techniques, for instance, like if you, you know, jump into the air and do a super move, do final flash with Vegeta, well, he'll hover in the air while he does the move because that's what he did in the anime. And he also can do it from the ground. So they fly in that sort of a way. But no, there's no sort of like free form flying that happens. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 a similarity between there. Uh, as far as the enemies not dying in the game, I mean, it, it's not, it's not for sure, right? Like it's a fighting game. So, I mean, I guess the outcome is kind of whatever you want it to be, right? <laughs> like it's when you win, it's considered a KO. It's not considered, you know, death, but that's like how many fighting games are considered death whenever you defeat an opponent, unless that's a part of the main storyline and the story mode or something, right? So I wouldn't say for sure that they're not being killed. They're just they're just being defeated. So I don't know if that that one's a little bit in a gray area for me. And the fact that um, they're doing three versus three. So there's this idea of them working as a team. So that's another similarity to the tournament of power. Yes and no. I mean, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. But whether or not they kind of came up with that idea based on the tournament of power, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Arc, Arc System Works, the company that made Dragon Ball Fighters, has a history of making games like that with, you know, two on two and three on three. And not to mention all the Marvel versus Capcom games that are out there that have this sort of tag team based mechanics. Uh, I would say that the game was more inspired by those than it was by this, you know, this idea of fighting as a team in the Tournament of Power. I mean, just because there's been plenty of other games that kind of function that way. Uh, so I would say it's probably just more based on the success of those games and the fact that there hadn't really been one like that for Dragon Ball, as far as I know. Not a three, not a three v three tag team sort of a thing. Uh, and I personally had, I think I mentioned this before, I had been wanting a game like that ever since for 20 years. <laughs> because Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was one of my favorite fighting games of all time. And we used to play the hell out of that game. And I used to pray that at the time, I was hoping Capcom would have done it. Because Capcom was the company who made 
Marvel versus Capcom, right? So I was saying, man, like I was literally telling my friends, it's like, and this is before, God, it's gonna make me sound really old, <laughs> but this is this is before it was, you know, Facebook wasn't around, you know, like it wasn't like you couldn't you couldn't reach out to companies as easily as you can now through social media. So back then I was thinking like, well, how can I email or call Capcom to beg them to somehow find a way to make a Dragon Ball game that is based in the same sort of fighting mechanics as Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Uh, and eventually it happened. It wasn't Capcom that made it, which is fine. But, you know, just to, that's just sort of a small little bonus for me to say that I got to see that in my lifetime and actually happened. And with that being said, oh man, I'm getting my ass whooped in Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs> I've been trying, man. I've been... You know, I, I have a hard time training, you know, I've learned a lot in that game, trust me, but there are just there are just certain aspects of the way that game works that I just don't get. And I don't think I'll ever be able to get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the part of me that what I would have to sort of channel to be able to really be good at that game is a part of me. I just don't want to access. Right. <laughs> because as soon as I'm start, as soon as I start playing a game. And it's not fun anymore. It becomes like this job to where I'm like training. Then that's kind of defeating the purpose for me. And I feel like that's that would be my next step. I would have to do that to kind of get over this plateau that I've kind of hit. But I don't feel like doing that because I don't have time, you know. So it's been a lot of like, I don't know. I've been I go back and forth with wanting to throw the game out of the window <laughs> and wanting to play it. So I'm just in this very weird sort of a uh, place because if you fought online ranked matches, well, you know how tough it is. Um, but anyway, that's kind of off topic. <laughs> but yeah, I can, I can see the similarities there, but you know, I kind of agree with some of those more than others. Okay, so your next section here says, uh, everybody has forgotten the Super Dragon Balls, the obvious solution to universe obliteration. This one absolutely baffles me. The Grand Minister announced at the outset that the prize for winning the Tournament of Power was the Super Dragon Balls. While we have not been told the full extent of their power, it seems reasonable to me that these wish orbs would be able to bring all seven losing universes back into existence should the winner desire them to remain. Super Shinron is absurdly immense, with a Dragon Ball Wiki site stating that he is shown to be many times more colossal than the multiple amount of galaxies between universes 6 and 7. It seems odd to me that, thus far, nobody is talking about them in conjunction to the tournament's outcome. All of the deities and fighters have focused on the threat of annihilation without also postulating the possibilities of a limitless wish. Thanks, Evan. Evan, thanks again for writing all of this. Um... I probably kind of picked on you a little bit throughout all of this stuff, but <laughs> uh, it takes a lot of time and thought and energy and certainly a dedicated fan to write all of this shit. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. Okay, so let's talk about your last section here. Okay, first of all, this is something I mentioned before. I don't remember exactly what episode it was on. I think it was the second they the second that they announced that the the losers of this tournament of power that the universes would be destroyed. I suggested that. Uh, well, maybe someone will use the Super Dragon Balls to wish the universe is back, right? So what you're saying is, is that it's kind of odd that no one on the show has thought of that yet. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I also think that there's still time for that. I think there's still time for someone to suggest that someone to bring it up. 
Um, they obviously know the, the extent. I'm assuming they know the extent of the power of the Super Dragon Balls. For all we know, maybe they're not powerful enough to bring back universes. I mean, we saw them bring back. We know they can bring back planets, but we don't know how many planets. Right. And the universe is pretty big. <laughs> you know, that is that those. I mean, as you already know, you know, a galaxy is like a combination of planets and stars and shit. And then a combination of galaxies is a universe. So just imagine how big that is. And you'd have to have a dragon who had the power to do that. So I'm not sure at this point if, they, if we're just supposed to assume that Super Shinron is not powerful enough to bring back uh, seven other universes. And as a result of this, or if it's just something that they just will bring up later on, because I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> but I highly doubt that, you know, seven universes will be wiped out of existence at the end of this thing. But that'd be pretty interesting if it was. Uh, but yeah, I think it's something that will probably be addressed at some point, right? Like someone will think about it, but maybe not yet. Uh, and maybe, you know, for the, for the sake of suspense, they don't want to suggest that now because maybe they're relying on that being what happens in the end. And maybe they don't, they don't want us to think about that right now. So they're not having the characters bring it up. Uh, but I see your point. I mean, it, it does seem like it would be the solution to that, but it's kind of hard to tell without knowing the extent of Super Shinron's abilities. So I guess we'll just kind of see what happens when it comes to that. All right, Evan. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next email here. Next one is from Ricky. Ricky, another longtime listener. Uh, Ricky writes, he says, in the Supreme Kai's defense. <laughs> hey, Tim, I just spent the morning listening to the first half of episode 86 of the podcast on my route to work. I've noticed in the last few episodes that the sh that Shin has relieved a sorry Shin has received a lot of shade due to his incompetence and in being overseer of Universe Seven, especially now with a Destroyer tournament coming up, and he definitely deserves it. That being said, I want to play devil's advocate to Shin for a second. When we meet Shin in DBZ, we're eventually given the backstory that before he became Supreme Kai, there were like four or five other Kais on the Supreme Kai planet who were ranked above him essentially making him an intern. Then on day, then one day, Bobbity and Kid Boo show up and wipe out all of the other Supreme Kais, leaving Shin the sole survivor. So in short, Shin was a Kai who knew very little in comparison and was then thrust into a position of high standing. Referring back to another email you received, that could be why he thinks there are only 28 inhabited planets universe, in the universe because he doesn't know how to zoom out on his universe viewer lol as always it's, it's it's always great listening to the podcast i'll talk to you later okay uh yeah so i mean yeah i guess shin has been kind of getting beat up on a lot uh <laughs> partially because well one of my questions uh, ever since the start of the the, the the ever since they first had sort of um established this idea of kai's in the dragon ball world it's always been sort of this sort of lingering question for me is that what exactly do they do what what's their jobs are they doing it well because you would wonder it's like well you have all of these people that over <laughs> that oversee the universe and planet earth but planet earth gets attacked a lot so what are you doing what is your job why is it why do the mortals themselves have to rise up and become super strong and defend their planet or the universe when you have these gods who's probably a part of their job to at least 
you know, maybe they can't directly interfere because that kind of interferes with free will. I'm not sure how the uh, concept of free will works in the Dragon Ball world. So who's to say it's Akai's job to step in and protect planets? Because, well, then, you know, then you're kind of stepping on the other people or creatures in the universe. They have a right. They have. And, and that right may mean to go around and try to conquer other planets if they feel like it. Right. <laughs> like it's not Majin Buu's fault that he was created as this freaking, you know, monster whose job was to just go around and destroy shit. You know, so it's like, how do you blame him for that? But it it took and maybe that's why it took a, a threat such as Majin Buu to I mean, we all know that it's probably just because they didn't even think of Shin or Supreme Kai's until Boo showed up. <laughs> From a writing standpoint, they probably didn't even think about it. But I like to tell myself that it took a threat of that level for a Supreme Kai to feel like he needed to step in. Because for everything else, it's like, once again, how do you, how do you judge who's right or wrong in a world where you created or all of these beings have been created and you gave them free will or whatever so maybe you should kind of step back and not interfere as much. I think that was kind of part of uh, what Zamasu was saying in a lot of ways. Maybe he should have inter- he wanted to interfere more because he he didn't agree what direction the mortals were kind of going in, and and then all of that kind of ties back into this mortal level rank system that they have. You know what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that? Uh, Shin should have been doing a better job this entire time kind of shepherding and guiding the mortals into a a better direction of which they'd be more powerful and more evolved to where maybe the destruction that happened uh, at the hands of Frieza and other villains you know maybe that would have been something that wouldn't have gotten as out of hand had they stepped in Um, so I don't know what is the role of a Kai like a supreme Kai at that is it their job to protect life necessarily? Probably not, right? Because then, I mean, he's Supreme Kai isn't stepping in every second to save someone from being mugged or it's like some random person being shot, right? It's only like these big, it's got to be like these big situations. That's kind of what I assume. So yeah, Shin does get kind of beat up, but I don't know. Is it his job to protect Earth? Probably, maybe in a way, just like it's Beerus's job to destroy planets. You've got to have someone who's supposed to be you know, in charge of kind of keeping this shit together so that they won't have to be destroyed <laughs> by Beerus, right? Because I don't know, I, they're kind of been spinning it in a way now to where like it's almost like Beerus's job to destroy planets that are weaker for whatever reason, you know, but when Beerus was first sort of introduced, it was almost like he just would destroy a planet because he felt like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when he went to Earth, he was going to wipe out Earth just because he just felt disrespected. You know, and so that's why I think a lot of this stuff is they're really kind of changing the story now to try to make it better and try to make all this stuff with the gods and the Kais make more sense. Right. Because if we can in, in actually in Shin's defense, we can blame Shin all we want. But there's several other Kais under him that obviously weren't doing their job either. Right. What about Grand Kai? <laughs> Grand Kai clearly wasn't doing his job. Uh, King Kai was probably the only I mean, we didn't see you know, uh, West Kai, East Kai, and South Kai, we, you know, but we can all assume that they kind of have similar roles to King Kai and King Kai was actually doing a pretty good job, I think. Right. I mean, he was making sure Goku was strong enough to do what he needed to do. He was helping out throughout all the cell stuff and, and the freezer stuff and all that. Um, but it starts with them, right? Hell, it started with Kami. 
<laughs> you have a guardian on Earth, a guy whose job it is to specifically watch over that one planet. And how did a good of a job that he do? So then we go up to King Kai and then we go up to Grand Kai and then we go to Supreme Kai. And I guess somebody's ass should have been fired a long time ago. Right. <laughs> Maybe Supreme Kai should have fired someone, you know, because they weren't doing their job and he couldn't do his. I don't know. This is, this is becoming a weird like tangent right now. But uh, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, OK. So you also have a sort of a second email that you sent that says also the reason 17 says that he has heard Goku's voice before is because he heard it when Goku was gathering energy for the spirit bomb to kill Kid Buu. OK, cool. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly because Android 17 made a comment about saying that he had heard Goku's voice before. And I couldn't remember. I was trying. I was saying, well, did he hear it when he was a part of Cell? But I couldn't. Once again, I've seen the I've seen the Buu saga the least amount of times out of everything because it's my least favorite saga <laughs> okay so my memory of that stuff is usually pretty bad so yeah that sounds right it sounds right that he would have been uh around whenever goku was asking everybody for uh energy for uh, the spirit bomb okay uh ricky good to hear from you man thanks for writing in okay one last email here from jesus welcome uh once again jesus says here Hey, Tim, great podcast as always. I was listening to your take on Android 17 and how you said you were wondering if an Android can get stronger. Well, 18 and 17 can because of the models that Dr. Jiro made them. One reason they can is because they can do everything a human can and they have been genetically modified on a cellular level. Plus, the models they are based on is different than Android 19 and 20 who are based on power models. When they fight, they use the key of their opponents to win fights while 18 and 17 were designed to fight for hours. I got all this from Dragon Ball Z episodes, so I get it if you forgot some. Anyway, keep going on the podcast. I'm excited for what you're about to see. Hey, Zeus. Hey, Zeus, thanks for writing in, as always. Yeah, so my, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, I'm actually aware of that. I mean, I, I know that um, Android 17 and 18 were, they're not robots, right? They're like genetically sort of modified humans, and um, their modifications are definitely very much cellular-based, and sort of organic and all that kind of stuff and that's why uh they're able to have kids and etc i think my question was is exactly how does that power level work because of the modifications um and i guess you're saying that because they're sort of human based they can train and become stronger just like regular humans but if that's the case then why can their key not be sensed so that's that's my only sort of question about that my only sort of i think it's sort of an inconsistency there is that if if they can do everything a human can and essentially their bodies work just like humans they're just modified genetically then you should still be able to sense their key i mean that's what i would assume right so i think that's probably just one of those things that the writers themselves probably lost track of at some point and probably didn't think out too well uh they just said well they're androids so you can't sense their power but if they're if they function just like humans, then you should be able to sense it. Right. Anyway. OK. Uh, yeah. So that being said, once again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything, send me an email at rock the dragon podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, it's time for us to jump on over to the episode talk for the week. So, of course, this episode of Rock the Dragon podcast, episode 87, is going to cover episode 87 of Dragon Ball Super titled Hunt the Poaching Ring. Goku and Android 17's joint struggle. 
yeah, actually, before I get into that, I forgot there was one more thing I wanted to mention because um, we were talking about all this. Another question that I posed was, what is the what do we call the middle level sale? Right. Because we had imperfect sale and we have perfect sale. What are we calling the mid perfect sale? Um, I don't know if officially they've ever really given him a name, but I got a comment from Ryan on the Facebook page that says that he calls them semi-perfect sell, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> or does it make semi-perfect sense? Uh, that was a bad joke, sorry. Uh, yeah, semi or semi-perfect sell, that makes that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I just I wanted to acknowledge that because that was a question that I threw out on the previous episode. Okay, so Ryan, thanks for, for sharing that with me. All right, let's jump into this um, this episode talk for the week. Okay, so the last... At the end of the episode, you know, we we got sort of this glimpse of this spaceship approaching Earth. Um, and we know that there are some poachers on there. This whole thing with Android 17 has been about uh, poachers trying to come to this island and uh, just kind of steal all the animals and use them for hide and food or, you know, sell them or whatever the hell they planning to do with them. So now we know that the threat is becoming a little bit bigger here because we've got people coming from another planet <laughs> just to get these animals probably most likely that that limited edition Minotauros, right? Uh, so the episode sort of starts there. It starts with Goku still trying to convince Android 17 to join the fight, right? To join the join the tournament of power. So he, he brings out the idea. He, he tells him about the Super Dragon Balls, right? So he's saying that, you know, if the rest of this isn't enough for you to want to join in, uh, maybe I could tell you about these Super Dragon Balls and that gets Android 17's attention and then we get a shot of the Super Dragon Balls which, man, incredibly animated here. Just looks great. <laughs> it really does. So yeah, it basically gets Android 17's attention with the Super Dragon Ball talk. He says he's intrigued and right at that moment, um, this is where they start to be able to tell that someone is a, in, approaching Earth. Uh, Goku can sense their power levels and etc. So... Uh, all of a sudden through the atmosphere, this massive spaceship uh, shows up and sort of unleashes this tractor beam and just kind of starts pulling up uh, these animals out of the ground. OK, so they they kind of quickly deduce that <laughs> these are space poachers and even Goku is like, really space poachers Which is the exact same reaction. Most of us as fans are probably having <laughs> watching this episode. It's like, wait a second. Come on. That's really convenient and actually kind of stupid in a way. But, you know, you, you hope that these sort of these sorts of things end up meaning something more in the end. Right. And we know that um, this is probably the most filler ish episode i think we've gotten like the as far as feeling like filler you know usually when they kind of have these little small side adventures with these like villains that don't really stand any sort of a chance fighting wise but it does kind of i'm not exactly sure and we'll talk more about this later but i'm not exactly sure how this changes 17's mind and makes him want to fight but it but it does and that's exactly what i thought it was going to do i said well somehow through the you know through the the process of going through all of this shit at the end of it he'll decide to to fight in the tournament of power and he does uh so yeah so now they're just kind of focusing on not letting this spaceship get away uh so that they can save these animals so they fly over toward the spaceship but they don't make it in time for the little door to, to, to they make it uh 
too late for the door. <laughs> so then Goku just kind of uses instant transmission to get he and 17 on the inside. And we just see these kind of quick shots of these exotic animals that have been captured in these cages. And uh, it doesn't take long for, you know, the people on the ship to realize that there's intruders. So they send in these minions with guns. And we already know what's going to happen here, right? Like these guys are just going to not stand any sort of a chance against Goku and Android 17. <laughs> so uh, what I kind of like about it is that we have 17 we're, we're once again they're they're giving character they're giving character development to Android 17 throughout these two episodes, which is why I'm glad they're doing this, right? Because at the end of the day, this whole thing could just be about fleshing him out. Because we need we spent plenty of time with Android 18 since then. Well, not plenty, but you know we know m more about her at this point than we know about 17. So they're just kind of putting him in these different actions and scenarios. So we can say, okay, this is a different Android 17. You know, he's saying that don't blow a hole in the ship because if you do, the animals will get sucked out in outer space and stuff like that. So they kind of just jump into a quick little fight. And then we cut, we cut over to Android 18 and Krillin and Marin. And we really just kind of get to hear Android 18 just kind of, uh, just sort of reveal some of her, her, her perspective on this right now. She's just kind of worried that, she thinks that Goku and, and and 17 are very similar in a way that they're very sort of uh, immature, I think is a word that she uses. So she's just kind of making sure they're all right. I mean, you know, because Krillin can kind of sense that Goku's energy is far away. So he's kind of wondering what's going on. And she's just kind of hoping that they're cool. So then we go back to the ship. And of course, they have whooped everyone's asses in this room. Um. But then Android 17 says, all right, you can handle these two right here. I'm going after the big bad. And Goku's like, no, that's the one I want because he's certainly going to, he, he, he's obviously going to be more strong than, than these guys, right? Like, he's like, I don't want to deal with these henchmen. They're nothing. <laughs> I just think it's funny. I almost feel like that's sort of a, uh, one of those meta jokes, right? Where they're kind of like making a joke. Uh, the show is sort of making a joke about itself, I think, in a way. So then, yeah, Goku's kind of left to handle these guys while Android 17 kind of rushes in the room. And uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail about this stuff because it, this really is just a dumb sort of nameless boss poacher. You know, all we need to know about this guy is that he's mostly going after the Minotauros. He's mentioned something about the horns being able to be used to make some sort of... Uh, elixir of immortality or something i don't know if that's gonna come back around to some extent because i find it like it was, i found that it was very interesting that they decided to kind of like say all of that when it wasn't necessary they could have just said no he just wants the thing for because it's a it's a rare species and he wants to sell it i mean that's his main sort of reason here for it anyway so yeah he's just kind of yelling and and, and 17 just kind of talking so there's really not a lot to sort of dissect about this conversation that they're having so eventually he calls in two other henchmen that have these sort of uh, lightsaber-like swords. <laughs> uh, and they just kind of continue talking for a minute. And then, um, yeah, Android 17 just kind of whips the two guys with the swords pretty quickly. Even the poacher boss himself kind of jumps in and rushes toward him. And then, you know, he just knocks the shit out of him. <laughs> and then Goku comes in and this dude pulls out a knife it's just like oh man <laughs> these these dudes really have no idea 
Yeah, so this is this is where they kind of mention the whole idea of the Minotauros horns having some sort of, uh, you know, ingredients to make an immortality potion. So I I, I don't know if they're going to bring that back around or not, but it seemed kind of interesting. So now he's just basically just trying to bribe them to uh, to just let him go. He's just throwing out money, just throwing out big 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 amounts of money, and that of course doesn't mean anything to these guys on, on this level anyway. And obviously it offends the hell out of 17 that someone would try to offer him money to give up these animals because <laughs> he walks up to the guys and just punch, he just punches the shit out of them and knocks them into the glass. Okay, so we've got this cracked glass and they're now in outer space. So um, eventually this, this dude pulls out a little remote control, okay? And he's saying that he has a bomb or an explosive inside of him that if he pushes the button, it'll blow everybody up. Okay, and all the animals will die. They'll die too because they're in outer space. Otherwise, that explosion wouldn't hurt Goku and Android 17. But since they're in outer space, well, you know, <laughs> they can't breathe out there. So now and then it, it, it so, you know, he kind of explains exactly what's going to happen when he pushes the button and they kind of play out this scenario as if it's actually happening and then we see the explosion but then they cut to Beerus and Beerus is waking up from this dream that he had where Goku apparently died it was a little bit of a confusing sort of a transition there because it I don't know why why would he be dreaming about this happening when it is happening but it hasn't happened yet so then it comes across as this being sort of this premonition which I don't think they were trying to <laughs> I don't think they were trying to tell us that Beerus was predicting that this was going to happen because his dream was about Goku dying and they played it out in sort of a way as if the guy actually blew up the ship but then we go back to them and we see that it didn't happen so then we're like oh that was part of Beerus's dream but then again why would Beerus be dreaming about this I don't know <laughs> but then again Beerus does and kind of ha he has had premonitions before right I think the whole Super Saiyan God thing was a premonition that he had uh, but I don't I just don't know if this is going to actually mean something because he says, you know, he has I don't know. He, he thinks it's an omen, right? He thinks this is an omen. So what does that mean? Is that is that predicting something that's going to happen later on in a series or was it just sort of this isolated one time sort of a thing that they'll just kind of not bring up again and just kind of drop after this episode? I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so we get to see Boma and little Bola for a second and Vegeta and Vegeta's just like, why doesn't Beerus go take a nap somewhere else, man? This isn't a hotel. This is not the capsule hotel. Why are you trying to sleep here? You, you're disturbing my baby. <laughs> um, but other than that, you know, the, <clears throat> these, uh, I'm sorry, these little scenes that they're cutting to aren't really contributing much to anything story-wise. I think it's just. It's just giving us a, a reason to get away from the main action uh, for a minute, just so, you know, we can sell the suspense here. Because when we go back, once again, nothing has been blown up. So this is where it tells us, well, that was just a dream that Beerus was having. OK, so this guy's just kind of standing there with the remote and they're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do. Um, and you can kind of see the look on Android 17's face when he's just trying to decide how they're going to handle this. And... Uh, so yeah, just to kind of cut to the point, I mean, he just kind of soars, he, he basically decides to sacrifice himself. You know, he says something to Goku, just says, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this up to you. Uh, just please give, give my regards to my wife and kids and even my sister. 
Um, so at this point, we know he's about to try to do something to maybe sacrifice himself to save everybody. So he does that. He basically rushes the dude. He rushes him and just kind of, you know, they just kind of fall through the windshield of this spaceship. And once again, this is just kind of showing how far Android 17 has come to, you know, be just willing to sacrifice his life just like that to save these animals. Right. Just I'm not sure that that was a smart decision. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's like, dude, I get it. There's a lot of animals on there and you love animals, but you're about to leave your your wife and kids. You know what I mean? To like save these animals and see i don't know if that would have been the first decision that i would have made they had to have been something else i mean goku could have been the whole time while the, the, he's in there talking to this dude goku could have been back using inst instant transmission to freaking just get all of those animals out of there or something <laughs> but sure okay so they they go through the window and uh of course now you know which i'm not exactly sure what the plan would have been here anyway right because like so what happens here is that they they fly out into outer space goku uses the instant transmission to get both android 17 and this poacher guy and take him to king kai's planet but what was the plan because now that ship is damaged right it has no windshield so how they plan on saving the animals unless goku knows how to fly a ship for one for two now there's no windshield on that ship so it's just going to continue to rip the entire ship apart, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, that's what was happening. So he never repaired that. They just kind of left the ship and went to King Kai's planet. But now you just have this ship out there floating in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we can assume it's on autopilot of some sort, but it has no windshield now, right? So now, you know, the pressure from outer space is just kind of going to be tearing all that stuff apart, which to me seems like it would also kill the animals. But I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just something we're not supposed to think about anyway very funny scene here where they show up on king kai's planet and king kai is like who's this and goku's like uh this is android 17 is like oh nice to meet you 17 no i mean the freaking other dude clearly king kai knows who android 17 is you know he's been like why he was watching over earth throughout all that stuff <laughs> um but yeah, so then they tell him, oh, he's just a poacher who's trying to blow himself up. And man, those are the those are the wrong words to say to King Kai. You could just see the reaction. Because <laughs> Goku's like, yeah, I figured I'd bring him here like I did with Cell. And it's like, no, man. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, though, because it's like, why does every time somebody want to blow themselves up, you bring them to me? <laughs> like, that's not what this is. Um But it was just a very just a very cool moment. And I I love the fact, I love the the fact that they because this is probably something I wouldn't have thought of, honestly, because it's just easy to forget this kind of stuff. The poacher guy is on the ground because he can't stand up because the gravity is too much for him. Nice detail. That's great attention to detail, Dragon Ball Super, because I probably would have forgotten about that. I mean, how many of us would have been thinking about that at that moment? We, we would have been perfectly fine, probably, if we would have seen that dude standing there. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have thought about it until one of you guys pointed it out. It's like, oh, right. The gravity on that planet is like several times, you know, normal gravity, though. We don't know where that dude is from. You know, he could have been from a planet where there was high gravity, too, but obviously not. Right. Because he can't stand up. So I just thought that that was a nice uh, sort of attention to detail there. 
So uh, at some point, Dende kind of chimes in here, and he's saying that that guy says he has a bomb in his body, but he's but he's lying. It's probably just a ruse, so you'd let him go. So, um, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with with Dende kind of jumping in with his information now, but it, it just when they do this kind of stuff, it makes you wonder. Well, Dende, where were you every other time they could have used information like that? <laughs> you know, it's like. If it's just that easy for you to be able to tell this kind of stuff, then, you know, they could have used this information before, right? Remember whenever everyone was under the impression, including Android 16, that he still had a detonator in his body and he didn't? His plan was to blow himself up to stop sale, but it wasn't there. You know, where was Dende then? Okay, I probably shouldn't bring this up because my memory is very fuzzy. Like maybe Dende was too little and too new to everything. Maybe he wasn't even on Earth yet. I don't remember. No, he was there, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's very hard when you jump back in time to Dragon Ball Z because you know I'm not sitting here fact checking everything, and sometimes I forget shit. So I probably shouldn't even have said that. <laughs> but yeah, my point is is that when you introduce stuff like that, like him just kind of jumping in, well then from now on every time something like this happens, I'm going to be like, well where's Dende? Why didn't he tell them that wasn't going on? Or that they were wrong about this or whatever, you know? So just be careful the way you write your show. Because you will introduce more and more plot holes when you in- when you do stuff like that. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, they kind of prove that this guy was lying about it. Android 17 makes him flip the switch. And like these little party favors kind of explode. <laughs> and he says something like, oh right, I was planning on going to like a birthday party after the poaching or something it was it was actually pretty funny uh so yeah you know it, it was bs it was bs so they don't really you know explain how it happened but we do get a shot of the spaceship back on earth and it's kind of been wrapped up in like caution tape <laughs> you know so i guess we're just supposed to assume that I don't know what the hell we're supposed to assume because I can't see a way that they could have gotten that thing back to Earth without, you know, without it tearing apart with no windshield on it. But okay, fine. But we do see Jaco here, right? They bring Jaco back, uh, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on Jaco right now because I, you know, we haven't seen him in a long time. I don't mind him popping up once every twelve episodes or so. Like, I'm, <laughs> as long as it's very rare when he comes around fine and this was actually a really good opportunity to bring him back around you know when they just kind of had him popping up for no reason i was like why is he here but this actually falls under his responsibility as a character on this show they kind of turn the space poachers over to him because he's a space police guy maybe he came to help them get the ship back in safely using some sort of space you know freaking yeah i don't know contraption to fix the window. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get some pretty silly, kind of funny dialogue here between Jaco and 17. And honestly, like Jaco was pretty funny here. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, he brought in, he got all, they got all the intergalactic poachers. He's been chasing them for years and etc. We get some shots of them kind of locked up and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And we get some pretty smart ass comments from um, Jaco before he kind of takes off and this is where android 17 you know he just reveals that okay now i'll fight so once again it's not exactly clear what he learned from this 
experience that made him want to change his mind because well the island if anything i don't know if anything it just kind of proves his point even more so right that at any moment anyone can come to this island including from another planet and try to poach these animals so you think it would have been like this is all the more reason for me to stay behind but I guess they're saying that maybe the mention of the super Dragon Balls was enough for him to want to decide to to give it a shot because he's saying that he wants to wish for a big cruise, you know, luxury liner type ship so he can go see the world with his family, um, which, dude, you don't need the super Dragon Balls for that, by the way, <laughs> like that would be a, I, how how I, I'm wondering how they are thinking that the wish, if, assuming that they win. How these this wish is going to work, right? I, what is it? Two wishes with the Super Dragon Balls? I forget. Sorry, but at the very least, you don't want to waste a wish with the Super Dragon Balls on something like a boat, okay? Like, <laughs> so, like, are these characters under the impression that they're all going to get their own personal wish with the Dragon Balls? Is that is that is that what's supposed to be happening here? I mean, no, right? Like. If Universe 7 wins a tournament of power, they'll get the one or two wishes or whatever it is that comes with the Super Dragon Balls. And then the Super Dragon Balls will be inactive for a while, right? They go inactive, don't they? I forget. Because obviously they haven't talked a lot about the Super Dragon Balls. We got a lot of information about them in like two or three episodes during all the Goku Black stuff. But, you know, we haven't experienced them a lot. Uh, But yeah, that'd be a hell of a wasted wish. Dude, you can have a boat now if you want to, man. Like, you think you can't go to Bulma and be like, hey, can you mind if I just, like, borrow one of you guys, like, cruise ships or something for, like, a couple weeks? To, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like if that's your reason for fighting, then I, it, I don't know, man. Like, you're an android. Like, you can you can fly your family wherever you want. You know, you can just go land on a, a ship that's already out there without paying and just be cool chilling so i don't know if from a writing standpoint if that's much of a motivation for 17 or i i don't agree that it should be i think they could have found maybe something a little bit better than that uh so then they just kind of keep talking for you know a couple minutes here um andrew 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 17 uh android 17 (laughs) i wonder if his real name is andrew Right? Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> let's get that. Let's get that Android seventeen and eighteen backstory origin story. Right? How awesome would it be to see them before they return in androids? It it actually be kind of it'd be like heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Because maybe they weren't cool with it. Maybe they were just regular, just a regular set of people, set of twins, and they were just living their lives. And maybe they were like martial artists or something, but they had a family and friends and and maybe even romance and then all of a sudden they got kidnapped by this crazy ass doctor who just perform experiments on them and turn them into androids against their will that's kind of really scary to think about like they could make a really serious sort of deep emotional psychological sort of dragon ball movie if they want really want to dive into that the history of those two right um Andrew and his twin sister, Andrea. Oh, I'm writing it right now. Andrea and Andrew, the twins. Android 17 and 18. <laughs> right? 
there you go. But no, there were, you you'll never find characters in Dragon Ball with regular names. <laughs> so there would never be like an Andrew or an Andrea. It'll definitely be something like, you know, not that, <laughs> not these regular American names. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so you know, he's talking about it's sort of an interesting twist of fate that you know I started out being sort of engineered to kill you and now we're in the same team and Goku is saying that you know it's actually not that unusual he says both you know Tian Piccolo and Vegeta were all my enemies at one point and uh I think that's a big testament to Goku and a big testament to Dragon Ball that some of the biggest enemies he's ever had have become allies in the end so it's kind of nice of them to sort of explore that and mention that I thought that that was pretty cool and then, of course, Android 17 asks about, uh, he's like, will my brother be there? And I even I didn't even think about it. I was like, your brother? And Goku's like, your brother? <laughs> you have a brother? And he's like, yeah, Krillin. I was like, oh, his brother-in-law. You know, so I just didn't think about it. And hell, Goku even sort of reiterates it. He's like, oh, right, Android 18 is your twin sister. And she's married to Krillin. So that makes him your brother-in-law. Um so yeah, he tells him, yeah, that Krillin will be there. And he's been working on some stuff and, and all that. And he even talks about Majin Buu and uh, Android 17 mentions the whole spirit bomb thing. So yeah, that just kind of reiterates what um, was said earlier that that's where he heard Goku's voice from before was when Goku was asking every person on the planet for power to help Majin Buu. Not help, sorry. Uh, defeat Majin Buu. <laughs> wow, that would have been a different story all together and yeah it's just super difficult for me to just re remember that kind of shit off the top of my head sometimes when i'm talking uh so yeah thanks for clearing that up and that basically wraps up the episode so yeah uh what'd you guys think about that what are you saying see me an email at rock the dragon podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions comments comments or concerns about any of that stuff just a reminder to, to leave reviews share the page uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, listening is great. And I absolutely appreciate you guys coming back week after week and everyone who's taking the time to write in. But uh, at the at the end of the day, uh, I still need you guys help. So by all means, you know, if you don't mind, share the page every now and then. If you have friends who are into Dragon Ball and you think they would enjoy this podcast, please tell them about it. Get them to like the page. Ask them to leave reviews. I know I have a pretty dedicated fan base out there. Some of you guys have been listening since episode zero. Uh, so any help you can give to keep this thing going long term, I would absolutely appreciate it. Uh, got some other stuff I'm working on that should be coming up pretty soon, hopefully. So stay tuned for all of that. But for now, uh, I'm going to get out of here and go do some work before I go to bed. So until next time for Rock the Dragon Podcast, I'm Tim Bridgewater. And uh, keep rocking the dragon. Thank you.